part of Pastoring Out Loud where we recap the previous week's sermon. Revelation 1, 9 through 20. John on the Isle of Alcatraz. Indeed, <laughs> indeed. The uh, Roman Alcatraz. The vision of Jesus. That's a good, that's a good reference. The Roman Alcatraz. That's what I called it in my opening sermon. Oh. Was the Roman. You did? I did. I don't remember that. I like it. Yeah, I... Oh, well. That wasn't manuscripted, so <laughs> apparently that was a word from the Spirit at the mm-hmm. time, so... Let's just call Patmos the Roman Alcatraz from now on. Why don't you walk us through your sermon, Dave, and uh, what you... Uh, just top level, and then we'll... Yeah. We'll ask questions. So we talked about uh, the... Um, I think the introduction, I just tried to say that Jesus is is in some ways fierce and powerful and terrifying and that he's the kind of guy we want on our side. And so talked about how that that's good for us to see him that way and realize that he's fighting for us. Um, then we talked about the, the context. Uh, you just mentioned where John was when he was writing, mentioned that he considers himself a brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance. And really in Greek, that's kind of a threefold phrase, all modified by the same things. And so we're meant to see those as kind of running together, I think, throughout the whole letter. There will be tribulation, the kingdom is real, and therefore we need patient endurance to stay near to Jesus. Um, John is there writing that uh, because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. So Earlier on, um, and I didn't mention this, you know, but earlier on in verse two, it talks about how he bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus. And that's the very reason John is where he is. And so John is entrusted with this message because he's been testifying to it and he gets to continue to testify to it. Um, and we, I, I just made passing comments because there's so much here. You know, what does it mean to be in the spirit? Um, I think it means to be filled with the spirit, empowered by the spirit for this task. And then uh, commissioned by Jesus in both verse 11 and verse 19 to, to write to these churches um, who are weary and worried and they need a word from Jesus. Uh, talked about the churches, so just kind of went in a little bit more into detail about uh, the sevenfold, you know, churches, how it's their real churches, kind of in a circle around this island. Uh, that is right off the islands, right off the coast of Ephesus, and so they're in a circle around that. They're real churches, but the sevenfold nature of them, I think, is speaking to completeness, which means that the message is universal for the church then and the church now, and even in the letters to the churches, it ends that way. You know, it says, "Let the churches hear," uh, not just this church, but let the churches hear, saying that what is true for one church would certainly be called for and hoped for for every church and made the point that Jesus is in the midst of his churches. Uh, so he's not a far off God who doesn't care. He's a he's the God man who stands in the midst of his churches. He's with them. He's near to them. He's exhorting them, encouraging them in a very real and present way. Um, so talked about that and then just talked about who he is. So we just went through all the um, all this imagery tried to basically say, here's, here's what it says. Here's where I think it's from in the old Testament. And here's what I think it means, you know, and a couple of them, there's different, 
uh, thoughts about what this could mean or that could mean. But I think most of them are pretty clear when you look at the Old Testament context. And then just talked about his final word, you know, to the churches. In light of all that, fear not. Yeah. Fear not. Uh, You don't need to be afraid because I'm the living one. I died and I'm alive forevermore and I have the keys to death and Hades. You know, I'm in charge of that too. So you don't need to fear um, in light of who I am. Yeah. Nick, Stacy, what did you guys see? What was, uh, what was important or striking in the sermon or what questions did you have? Go ahead, um, Stacy. Well, <laughs> I don't know how many tangents to get off on, but... Let's like, start with three. Okay. Because we're Christians. <laughs> three tangents. Well, starting off just like thinking about John seeing this vision of Jesus, like he knew Jesus. He was one of his closest yeah. disciples. I'm just trying to imagine like what that would have been like for him to see Jesus like this. Hmm. And, um, you know, this person that he was close with on earth, why does he not just say, hey, it's Jesus. Like this guy that he knows, you know, he describes him as one like a son of man. Why does he, why do you think he says it that way instead of, hey, Jesus, that's who I know. I was just thinking about that as we were going through it on Sunday. What do you think, Dave? Or Nick? I mean, my initial answer, that's a really interesting perspective and good one to think about, I think. But I think my initial answer would just be because I think it is calling to mind all these Old Testament pictures. So one like a son of man is probably, you know, like maybe the most popular (laughs) text that these folks would have known about the coming Messiah. Mm -hmm. And so... That, that's my guess, is just that it's it's just always referencing so fully Scripture that he's just kind of saying Scripture. Yeah, that's my guess. Yeah, and it kind of ties into what struck me in mm. the sermon is that this picture, which you talked about and even Bruce alluded to in his welcome when he read the Daniel 7 mm-hmm. text, and he's like, think about what this says about the ancient of days, yep. God, and then how that's applied mm-hmm. to this picture of Jesus. Yeah. And so it's just so clear that like John is trying to present him as this is Jesus, but it's God. Yeah. 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 And so it's just like continues to be Trinitarian. Yep. And the one who is coming here, this Messiah, is the one who has all authority to pour out this wrath with the sword. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, wow. Mm -hmm. You know, like Jesus is clearly God. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. (laughs) yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure John recognized him initially. I mean, he knew Jesus outside of glory with the exception of the Mount of Transfiguration and possibly Mm -hmm. at the Ascension. Right. But his large experience for at least a few years was Jesus veiled, his glory veiled. Mm -hmm. And so him and his glory in the throne room of God is not something that the Apostle John had seen as of yet. Um, so I think that very possibly he sure. just didn't recognize him initially. That's sure. Uh, Interesting. And, you know, if he puts his hand on him, you know, so the, the interpretive thing, I see, then I hear. Yeah. I see something, it's confusing, it's mysterious, but then I hear something and it interprets mm-hmm. what I saw or vice versa. Yeah. I hear yeah. something, it's confusing, see, and then yeah. I see something. I think very probably, like he, the Jesus putting his hand mm-hmm. on John, don't be afraid. 
it's I, Ego mm-hmm. A Me, I think, mm-hmm. uh, which is all throughout the, the Gospel of John, you know, I am who I am, et cetera. Uh, I, I think it's Ego A Me, I can't remember in Greek. Yeah. But it's it's like I think that's the moment that John realized what was happening. Oh, it wasn't sure. by seeing him, it was by hearing. Kind of like when he was walking on the water and they didn't really recognize him. It is odd. Right? And then yep. he's that's what he said. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Oh. Interesting. Um That's good. I don't know if we want to get into this right now, but just Tangent in, two. In, Go. in uh <laughs> verse nine, when talks about the tribulation, I, I appreciated you pointing out, you know, these themes of tribulation, kingdom, and endurance. But it does this mean that you you did touch on this in your sermon, but could you just elaborate a little bit more? Anybody else add in? Is what is the tribulation? Yeah. Is there a future tribulation or is it just a tribulation? What do you think, Dave? Yeah. Well, first of all, you're right. It is egoing me in 17 too. Yeah. So that's interesting. That's a good catch. I don't think I even thought about that when I was reading through it. Um, yeah, I think, I think whatever it could mean in other ways, it certainly means that John thinks he's going through it right then. Um, a fellow brother and fellowshipper in the tribulation And I take that to mean the general hardship and trial it is to be a Christian living in the kingdom and of having a need for endurance. So I think that the, I think we've talked about it on the podcast before already, and we'll we'll probably keep saying it as we go through Revelation that there's, you know, there's what we'd say recapitulation, that there's these themes that keep repeating themselves, and we kind of zoom in on something and zoom out on things, and then there's some. Um, some kind of buildup or enhancement that keeps happening, uh, intensification, you could say. But I do think that he viewed himself as in the tribulation. I think that John, if you asked him right now, would say Christians at South City's Church, in some way you're in the tribulation in the kingdom and have need of endurance. And I uh, do tend to think that that's a pretty universal thing and likely not mainly pointing towards some specific period of time right at the very end, though I do think there's an intensification that will continue to happen and certainly will be most intense before Jesus comes back and makes all things new. Something like that is what I'd say. But certainly, certainly the present tense of it with John right at the beginning of the book means it can't only be some future thing that they were not experiencing because he says a fellow. So this would be the place I would go like most, most concretely where I'd go, I think that they're experiencing that at all now. Cause he says fellow sufferer or fellow brother and fellow fellowshipper in the tribulation. Yep. Yep. And then when patient endurance shows up again in the letters to the churches yep, yep. or in the visions of what the beast is doing mm-hmm. to the saints, that phrase showing up, I think you're supposed to see, like, and think, and then when great tribulation shows up in yeah. uh, 14 and 15, um, like, I don't think you're supposed to exclusively see some future thing. Right. If you're, again, it doesn't mean, it can't mean for them, or for us, what it doesn't mean for them. Yeah. You are seeing yourself in tribulation, like in a tribulation, the tribulation, 
I do think it's right to say there's a future intensification before Jesus returns that you could call like a final tribulation or a last instance of tribulation. But I don't think it's right to say that's just out there someplace. And this period since Jesus came is not tribulation. Right. Because when is the kingdom? Right. Remember, those those parallels are there, the tribulation, the kingdom, the patient endurance. Yep. They're they're in present realities. Yeah. Yeah. Now too. Yeah. And I think in the sermon before this one I said, you know, if Daniel sees these things sealed up till the latter days, John is unsealing these things in the latter days. Uh, Jesus says the kingdom of God is at hand. I think that those are intentional phrases being repeated throughout the Bible to help us orient ourselves on where we're at. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, yeah. That's a good question, though. You got a third so, tangent? Yeah, third tangent. No, just more of a comment, I guess. Unless somebody else had a comment they wanted to make about no, the it's, sermon. it's good, Stacy. Okay, I'll just keep going. Please. Um, I just, yeah, I really loved the fear not and emphasizing that. And I think you wrote, you said something like fear Christ so that you need not fear. Um, and just reflecting on Jesus saying that he has the keys to death in Hades and death is like one of the, you know, things that people are most afraid of and that he says that we can fear not. We don't have to fear death because he holds the keys to it. Yeah. It's just so cool to like just think about that yeah. and just reassure ourselves. And then um, as I was thinking about this too, you know, John is seeing this vision of Jesus. Mm-hmm. We don't see him. It just reminded me of like we walk by faith, not by sight. Mm-hmm. So we're walking by faith and like this is who Jesus is for us. And this is, you know, who he is now um, in heaven, exalted. And we can walk in the assurance of that faith without actually seeing him. Yeah. I think about uh, the other mentions of like, uh, so Jesus holding the keys to death in Hades. So in chapter six, the fourth seal, you know, he unleashes death in Hades on the earth. But in chapter uh, the end of 20, right? Yeah, it's the end Mm -hmm. of 20. Mm -hmm. He banishes death in Hades forever. And first he opens them up, pulls all the dead out of them, and then he closes them, he has the keys to them, and he throws them into hell, into uh, the lake of fire for forever, eliminating them. So the fact that he has those keys is a huge deal, and it's a huge deal for John, who's sitting in a Roman penal colony, basically, who 25 years before, you know, Paul and Peter had had their head, you know, Peter was crucified upside down, Paul had his head chopped off by Nero, and, you know, if you're if you're looking at the history in the first century, there was probably some sense among the Christians like, oh, that persecution's over. Like that was then. Maybe it'll get better for us in the Roman Empire. And 25 years later, that's not the case. John's in prison. There's persecution rising again, and it's broader than just Rome. So it's a big deal that Jesus is who he said he is. And Caesar doesn't have the ability to just kill whoever he wants to apart from the sovereignty of God. It's God that holds those keys. Jesus that holds those keys because he's Lord. Any other comments on chapter one, nine through 20? It's fun. I'm just loving coming, listening. It's good. Although I wasn't there this time, I was watching on a screen.
live stream, baby. Well, looking forward to chapter two, and uh, we'll jump right into it with Ephesus. Did you deliberately preach on Ephesians in the fall, knowing that you were going to end up preaching a sermon on Ephesus in the winter? I deliberately referenced Revelation uh, two several times okay. in okay. Ephesians. That's right. Knowing I, I was going to preach Revelation. Uh, okay. Other way. It's the inverse. The inverse. All right. Thanks, guys. <laughs>